to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com hey slutty scholars as you might know i am part of an awesome podcast network called pleasure podcasts we feature some of the top sex and relationship podcasts in the world i wanted to share a trailer for one of our other shows one of my favorites sex talk with my mom this show is so hilarious, and is hosted by my longtime friend and the founder of Pleasure Podcasts, Cam and his mom, Karen Lee. You can also hear them on past episode, way back, number 42. Check it out. Mom, what does bad cum taste like? You know when you accidentally burp and you have something come back up from the earlier in the day? Yeah. That's what it tastes like, okay? Oh, no. We host a podcast called Sex Talk with My Mom. It's not sex with my mom. It's sex talk with my mom. No, you one, thought, no one thought it was sex with my mom. Just a mom and a son chit-chatting about sex. Not just sex, uncomfortable conversations. Our goal is to make the uncomfortable comfortable. Here are some clips from our show. What I would prefer is like a very intimate connection. I, I would oh prefer fucking God. phone sex or some or Why video sex. Why don't you go sex. watch the notebook and get off? If you look at the picture in a certain angle, it looks like I have like a bulge in my underwear, pussy area. <laughs> you want to have? You're very opinionated. You want to have weed sex? I don't care. Are you talking about this stuff with your mom is so weird. That's why we do this. Check out Sex Talk with My Mom. Wherever you listen to podcasts and also on TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> okay. and YouTube. Mom, check out Sex Talk with My Mom. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I'm excited to welcome back Liz Goldwyn. She is an author, filmmaker, and the founder of The Sex Ed, an educational platform and podcast dedicated to sex, health, and consciousness in the digital age. Beginning with her first job as an intern for Planned Parenthood in Los Angeles at 13, Goldwyn has dedicated much of her life since then to exploring the depths of human sexuality through her awesome books and films. A passionate advocate for sex education, Goldwyn is committed to providing resources for others to explore sexual wellness and consciousness. Goldwyn's latest book, Sex, Health, and Consciousness, was published by Sounds True Macmillan. She has been on the podcast before, talking in our early days on episode 68. So glad to have you back. Welcome, Liz. Thanks for having me. That was that must have been what, like 2018 or something, right? 2018. Oh, yeah. It was a long time, five years probably now. I'm so glad we've known each other for time is <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> time is elastic. Yeah. It would be it's gonna be cool to get like a a time 
lapse of like what we were talking about then and what we were talking about now and how you've sort of like transformed in your own sexuality and things since writing this book. So I'm excited to see and have people listen to the, to the arc. Um, so I would love to hear a little more about the new book, which is awesome. I can't wait for other folks and listeners to read it. What inspired you to make this book in particular? Well, I think my previous two books, one which was called Pretty Things and was about the last generation of American burlesque queens and the advent of striptease, 1860 to 1960, which was nonfiction. And then the book after that, which was which was fiction, but set in the world, in a, in a true world of Los Angeles in 1890s in the world of sex. Sporting guides, right? Sporting guide were a bit more the darker side of sexuality um, in some ways. And this is really the light. Um, to me, this book is really like bringing the light in and integrating spirituality with sexuality, which is for me personally, and for what I do with the sex ed really at the core um, of my work is that integration of sex, health and consciousness, hence the title. So, you know, even thinking about you saying, I wonder what we talked about five years ago on the podcast. Um, the spirituality was always a big influence on me, but I think we did talk like about now, uh, like five- breath orgasms and things, I think. Did we? Yeah. Okay. So that, I get very much into this new book in, in a lot of using a lot of breath work in every way, but I think also just in my personal life, I feel so much more aligned personally mm-hmm. in terms of, of, um, my sexuality and my spirituality yeah. in a different way than when I was making those, those first two books. Um, although the, I guess the through line with all of my work is that it contains, even if it's, you know, nonfiction, um, or set, you know, hundreds of years ago, it does contain some sort of like personal working out, personal working out of, mm-hmm. of culture, of sexuality, of the role of, of women's sexuality within a larger system. Yeah. So yeah, this one is a bit more focused on the consciousness aspect of that. Yeah. And as we're kind of using and throwing this word around consciousness, um, how do you kind of define consciousness? Like, what does that mean? It's funny because the the Spanish version is coming out in June and they, they just sent me the cover for approval and the way that it was translated was not quite the correct translation of consciousness. And it was a translation, which meant like a moral compass for society. But when I say consciousness, it's like a inner awareness, um, self-actualization, self-realization. It's, um, it's consciousness of, uh, that involves not only consciousness of yourself, but consciousness of the world around you, of nature, of other people. So, whether or not I think you have any sort of relationship with spirituality or religion, um, you can still be conscious. You Mm. can still be tuned into consciousness, even if you're vehemently atheist. Yeah. And I, I mean, I like how, even though you're covering these things in the book and, and I liked how you made it accessible because you were like, Hey, for some of you, maybe it's too woo, but you also like broke it down with like science and research and, and anecdotal stuff. So for folks who are more inclined for that, there, there's some of that too. Um, to me, this is like an obvious answer, but I'd love to hear your experience of like why consciousness and spirit are so important for sexuality like, why are they so essential to the pleasure that you've had in your life? 
Well, I don't think of sexuality as something that is involves maybe that's siloed into how some people think of it as with sex. Actually, I think of your sexuality or your sexual energy as your creative energy, your prana, your mana, your chi to get woo woo for a minute. Although it's really not woo woo, your sexual energy and your creative energy literally are one in the same and kind of located in a similar area. If you are familiar with like the chakra system at all they're located in similar places and that kind of energy that you can use and direct towards the act of sex, however you you define it, you can also use that towards making a song or writing a book or painting a painting. Or if you're an athlete, you know, we are all familiar with athletes who refrain from sex or masturbation before a big game. So, you know, it's, it's, it's channeling that kind of energy. So for me, just the whole concept of sex and sexuality exists on, on a different plane than like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah. (laughs) Remedial way that I think most of us learned about sex is like, in relation to another person, but I'd love to reframe that as our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with God. However you, whatever you define that as your God mm-hmm. could be a fucking tree, you know, it could be whatever that, whatever that is for you. I, for me that I feel like that has been a real game changer. Um, and I wish that, you know, we could teach younger people to align with themselves in a more holistic way before they give their pleasure away, before they ask someone else to teach them what their pleasure is. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it's like if we think of our sexual energy, even like as a color or an energetic ball, it's like, we want to nurture that and harness it and, and protect it. And that doesn't mean not having sex with other people necessarily. It just means being, being aware of how divine that energy is and mm-hmm. how, how beautiful and how special it is. And, and then it's not in the way of like the Catholic church saying, save it for marriage. It's, it's special. It shouldn't be touched. It's just, it's more of the way in which you would learn to like honor or love your body or yourself. I would love for us to learn to honor our sexuality in that way. Yeah. I mean, so many of us are taught that other people are the gatekeeper to our pleasure. Like you said, that someone's going to give you an an orgasm or teach you what's pleasurable for your body. I mean, that's something that I think a lot of people are taught. I think most people, even now, you know, being on the receiving end of questions, I get a lot of like, I should have this figured out by now Mm -hmm. or, or asking me questions as though, especially with this new book, as though I'm some sort of ultimate guru on the subject when anybody who tells you that is full of shit because we're all just humans on this planet trying to figure it out. And beware the gurus. Yeah. Beware the gurus, beware the, you know, the people selling you any sort of like blissful, perfect orgasm every time, because it just, that's not reality, you know, and you can't experience the, you know, the peaks without the valleys. Right. Um, but I think I like to believe that even as someone who studies this for a living and writes about it extensively, that I will be having even like more connected, amazing, transformative, transcendent sex in 20 years, you Mm. know, that like, I hope for that too. Yeah. Sort of as we evolve and as we like move through life, just getting more in touch. Yeah. I want to read this little quote that just kind of supports what you said from your book. You said, um, by now we should all be clear that when I refer to sex or sexuality, I do not mean for you to interpret these terms narrowly as penetration, orgasm, or genitalia. 
I consider sex and sexual energy to be potent forms of creativity and communication, which is expressed on one plane at the physical level. However, if mind, heart, and body are connected, we tap into the possibility of spiritual expression. This strengthens not only partnered sex, but also how we channel and are empowered by sexual energy in our everyday life. Can you believe you wrote that? It's a good quote. Uh, I can. <laughs> You're like, fuck yeah, yeah I can. I, I wrote it took forever. To give you like a real layman example of that. Um, I was, I had a partner who was like not into spirituality at all. In fact, he was raised Catholic and went to Catholic school. And like many people who were raised in that, like really like rebelled against it, you know, rebelled against organized religion. So, um, but you know, he was always very, you know, up for anything with me. So I got him into Kundalini yoga and breath mm. work. So mm-hmm. like he, you know, kind of more, not, I, I don't know if a spiritual take on God is right, but he was open to, he was open to exploring what that would feel like. So we were doing like, uh, the, this Kundalini breath work together every, every morning. He loved it. And our partnered sex, our penetrative heteronormative sex was yeah. so much more intense for both of us. I, I actually had like the first cervical orgasms of my life and blacked out because we were, we were so in tune on that, you know, just with our pelvic muscle floor, muscle control, both of us, because mm-hmm. he was getting into it. He was getting more into the breath work and stuff. So being able to have like a partner who was starting to learn that control and bring it into the bedroom was mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. So that's just on a, on like a baseline, like with someone else, but you know, you can also, I've learned to bring myself to orgasm hands-free. Mm-hmm. And then also with this potent sexual energy, I've also learned how to direct it towards things that are not necessarily sexual. Yeah. To harness it. To, to, things that to I, publishing a book. To publishing a book to, you know, maybe things that I want to manifest you know, in, in life in general, it's been really, I know that. Yeah. A lot. You know, I like that you said that I try, I do try to ground things with the sex ed and with this book and science, although the second half of the book definitely gets a lot more, you know, esoteric for sure. I, there's a lot of things for many years I held off on discussing with the sex ed platform because I do feel like it's really important to ground things, to ground things in research. That said, I think we have to leave space for yeah. mystery of the unexplained, un- unknown, like wonder. Yeah, I think you you talk um, a bit in your work about this like intersection of the practical and the divine. Um, mm-hmm. You already named one reason, but like, why do you think folks are so afraid of or averse to? the intersection of spirituality and sex. Like I've named this on the podcast before, right? Some people call it woo. Other people call it, you know, Eastern practice. Other people call it, um, you know, earth-based indigenous practices. So it's not just like woo. I don't think we can like, it it feels, yeah, it, it feels like invalidating to just make it like that. But like, why do you think folks are so threatened by this idea of incorporating the spirit into sex? Like why do people want more of the facts and the science and why is there pushback? I think it makes people uncomfortable. I think you could take something that's more like related to our reproductive health. Like let's talk about menstruation. So Mm -hmm. I have a whole chapter called uh, meditation, menstruation and manifesting Mm -hmm. in there. So menstrual blood, as we know throughout 
centuries, throughout history, throughout many texts is very magical, mystical substance. Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the way in the Western world, we got, we, you know, with our obsession with cleanliness, we've gotten really out of touch of even like noticing the color of our blood, being in touch with like what those changes are going on, going on for us month by month, or even, um, you know, taking pills. We've now have pills that you can stop your period altogether, mm-hmm. but that blood itself was once a symbol of great power mm-hmm. and of the divine and of ma- magic. And so I, I, in that chapter, I, I talk a little bit about that history of it. And I know that I was going to come up against people who are like, Oh my God, what is she saying? She's telling me to like touch my blood and smear some of it on my body. I'm like, you could do it in the shower, whatever. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's a, it's a combination of shame and fear and the way in which, you know, traditionally religion was used to repress and suppress sexuality. Mm-hmm. And the divinity of, um, you know, goddess worship was really tied into this removal of spirituality and, and sexuality. Mm, yeah, I even I think it was um, I had some folks on um, the podcast some years ago from the Hoopa Valley tribe. And I think they talked about how in their indigenous practices that like warriors would bathe in the menstrual blood before going to some kind of like war experience um, because they believed that it was um, it created power. Well, sex magic in many cultures involved the substances of blood, menstrual blood mm-hmm. and semen. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really get into that in this book. So this was like the one Oh one. Next time. Example, I'm really careful with what I include on the sex ed because you know, I do think that there is a big reaction. I mean, obviously you have people like Dr. Jen Gunther who want to make sure people are educated on like, don't just stick anything up your vagina. Uh, don't stick out anything inside of you. I think there was a lot of like backlash against the goopification mm-hmm. of, you know, certain practices or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that there's, you've got to like take it all with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like a hundred percent science and it's not a hundred percent woo woo. I yeah. think it's really good to know your body anatomy and know the way your reproductive system works. And I think it's really good to go to like a Western doctor. If you're experiencing issues, I don't think we can, you know, just like fucking hug a crystal and be like, love and light. My like, uh, you know, <laughs> I have no fibroids. <laughs> it's all gone. <laughs> Great. Yeah. But you know, that said, I think like we're all looking for some kind of something to hold on to, some kind of mm-hmm. faith, some mm-hmm. kind of hope. And wherever you find it, I think more power to you. Yeah. And in this conversation, like where do energetics fit in? Oh, well, I'm a big, I talk a lot about energetics in the book. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've all heard this saying like vibes before, like, oh, that house has bad vibes or she has bad vibes. He has bad vibes. Um, I think this so book has good energy, vibes. Yeah, this book has good vibes. So sexual energy, I'm the kind of person who I don't let you wear shoes and shoes in the house. I don't wear shoes in the house because 
not because of dirt, but because I don't know what kind of vibes I've picked up or someone else has picked up from the street. And I'm equally careful with my sexual energy after a lot of trial and error, because I believe that sexual energy itself is so powerful and an orgasm creates some kind of, you know, psychic bond between people, especially if you're on the receiving end of penetrative sex. Um, you're literally taking on someone else's energy and that can take a long time to clear. And as someone who's very sensitive to other people's energy, I'm, I'm careful in, in that way. Mm. Um, I think that's probably the main reason that I've just never been someone who is able to have casual sex. Um, just because that's my, my personality makeup is that mm. I'm, I take on people. I can take on people's stuff just like, you know, fully clothed in a non-sexual situation, you know, in a, in a close room with someone. So I think that the, the vibes or the energy that sex contains is really powerful and, and amazing. And, And that's something else I think we should learn really early that there is, um, I think some people are, it's easier for them to like disconnect from that. Um, but for me, because I, I'm, I'm, I really work in my life on, on integrating, um, all the different parts of my body. It, it's, it's impossible for me to, for me to like separate my, my heart from my sexuality or Mm. my head. Yeah. What do you think has given you permission for yourself to like accept and embrace that style that you need to have sex that feels good for you. Because I was talking about this on a, on another podcast um, with somebody about this idea that obviously my show is called Sluts and Scholars. And I think there's a lot of people who put pressure on themselves of like what being free sexually is, whether that's being a slut or whatever. And so I think a lot of times when people think about being free sexually, they compare themselves to this person who's maybe down for spontaneous sex, who can like disconnect um, sex from feelings and who is like down to have sex with lots of people or has no hang up, so to speak. Um, but something I work on a lot with clients is getting them to respect their own erotic blueprint and their own sexual style and listening to that and giving permission to that and that that's freedom as opposed to like, oh, I need to live up to this archetype of what I think free is. Okay, slutty scholars, I wanted to invite you to an event I am hosting coming up this summer on August 19th at a private ranch in Malibu. It is called Play Date and it is a guided play shop to explore how pleasure and curiosity can enhance your healing. If you prioritize pleasure, you can heal your life. Check out pleasureismedicine.eventbrite.com for tickets. Early bird sales are on until June 22nd, and I think there's literally only one left, so get it soon. Um, You all know that I am a huge advocate for pleasure as a human right, and I deeply believe that play and pleasure are medicine. So I co-created an event with past guest, somatic pleasure coach, and best-selling author Irene Morning. This event was designed to help folks find and create more play and pleasure in their lives. So if you have been feeling burnt out, overwhelmed, undeserving, irritable, like you're really in your head, isolated, and like you don't know what you want or like, or potentially pressure around intimacy, then you really need to come for a play date. Come discover more clarity about your likes and desires, break down the barriers that stand in the way of experiencing your full pleasure potential, and leave with a new zest for life and some tools to help you stay playful. 
This day-long play shop will include educational mini workshops, guided experiential activities, recess-style playstations, movement, bonding, and community building. What if instead of being the rewards you earn at the end of the journey, play and pleasure are actually the path to getting there? Head to pleasureismedicine.eventbrite.com for tickets. That's pleasureismedicine.eventbrite.com and the link is in the episode's description. I hope to see you there. And so I wonder yeah. like, what's been helpful for you to give permission to be like, you know what, I'm someone who can't really have casual sex and that's fine for me. I can still have a free and fulfilling and transcendent sex life without that because I'm listening to my body. Yeah. Uh, well, I think you just, you just nailed it. Lis- listening to our body, listening to ourselves. I write about that extensively in the book in the chapter called um, Filling the Void mm. and another chapter called What is Normal that it took me a really long time because I think we all have that compare and despair response when it mm-hmm. comes to sex, love, Everything. what relationships should look like our bodies. Yeah. We're constantly measuring ourselves against what's what we think of as normal within the group we operate in. And for me, someone who literally since I was 13 and then, you know, working at Planned Parenthood and then professionally when I was like 17, 18, I first started the burlesque work was just really in a world professionally where I was surrounded by people who had something to do with sex professionally. Mm-hmm. I always felt like the freak. I always felt like the freak because I was much more like vanilla monogamous. When I first started my work, I was married. I got, I, you know, I was like 18 years old and in a long-term committed marriage. Mm-hmm. So I was absolutely the opposite of, you know, but I'm also someone who's really non-judgmental and I can be around people who do all sorts of different things and experience sex, all sorts of different, different ways consensually and have no, if it works for you and it's, it's fulfilling you great, but I would still be like, uh, you know, there's certain people even that we know in common that I'd be like, why can't I just be like her? She has a domestic sub picking up her laundry and cleaning her kitchen. And like, mm-hmm. why can I be someone who, you know, is like so fun and experimental. Why? I think yeah. even in the book, write about like, why can't I take any one of the like gorgeous female porn stars who've asked me out up on their, you know, invitation. Mm. And it took a long time. And like, honestly, until well until my adulthood to just be like, okay with my, to love myself. I think that process of learning to love yourself is very hard for most of us. We're, we're always seeking that love and approval from and validation from someone else. Yeah. And we might even say that we're not. I think a lot of us also tend to use sex in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and not even think that we're doing that. So I think for me, it took a long time to eat for, to be comfortable. Like, as you said, discovering, figuring out what my own erotic blueprint is. And I actually feel like even now I'm going through another layer of it where with going deeper into somatic therapy and Mm -hmm. having some breakthroughs, thinking about, wow, is my, are my erotic desires, even my own, like how much of it are coming from the male gaze that I learned as a young child or through, you know, through what my father thought was sexy or what my mother's sexuality was. It's really like kind of fascinating just to keep kind of unlocking those layers and even going into like, do I, am I dealing with a more internalized patriarchy and homophobia and, you know, all this societal conditioning, I think you can like 
constantly keep breaking it down and get to the what that erotic blueprint is for you. And I think for folks listening to that, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's ways to still engage in whatever it is you like while also being curious about it. You know, I think sometimes I have clients and people who come in and they want to know the why, right? Why am I into this? And I think it can be great to to look at it from this curious lens to help unpack things, which may or may not shift your desires over time. Um, but I think if we do that in excess, it can come from this judgmental place of like, why? Like if we figure out why you won't be into this. Um, so finding this balance of like, yeah, you can do whatever, you know, find a consensual fun way to do whatever kinky shit you're interested in, no matter why you're into that. And if you're want to be curious and peel some layers back, you may find that maybe your interests change and maybe they don't. Well, and also approach it with a sense of play and wonder play. And, yeah. and like, uh, you know, like uh, the childlike curiosity about things I think right. is, is important because I, I think that there can be, um, I think we like to get stuck in navel gazing and it can often like stop us from mm. pushing past blocks mm-hmm. that we might have in, in any aspect of our lives, but they do manifest a lot with sex because I think people don't realize again, how, how our sexuality is integrated to every other part of us. And when we talk about mental health and wellness, I, I feel that sexuality is part and parcel of that conversation. Mm. Yeah. I mean, for just for you, like, since you've, I hear that you've been doing that for a while, but since you've included more of this like energetic spiritual component into your sexuality? Like how has it shifted, um, your pleasure potential? Um, immensely, (laughs) immensely. I'm starting, I'm starting from a place of really loving myself. Mm -hmm. I'm really starting a place of really loving myself and not, and really thinking about the ways in which I use sex. And then, and then that changes the kind of relationships I get into because I'm not using it to fill a void in my life there's so many ways in which it's, it's, it's shifted my sense of sexuality. I think I've always been someone who is somewhat, um, echo sexual or really in tune with nature. So I think Mm -hmm. even like the erotic power of like being by the ocean and like sitting on a rock and just like opening up my legs and receiving the energy of the water, you know, metaphorically, I feel like all of that stuff just gives me so much more like power and joy. I feel Uh like I have so much, I feel like I have so much more joy and that I'm able to find that in, in like a variety of experiences, whether like they be things that other people would think of as traditionally sexual or not. Yeah. I mean, you and I are both, I think, eco-sexual in that way. I can't remember if I've shared on the podcast before, but I've definitely like gotten turned on by nature and like masturbated in nature to nature. (laughs) Oh, I always want to have sex outside. Like yeah. always, always, I always want to have sex outside. Like I'm, oh, I'm love skinny dipping. I yeah. like any opportunity to be naked in nature. Yeah. I'm going to take actually a friend and I were, um, well, we were on what we thought was like a very secluded situation on a beach naked, um, on these rocks <laughs> actually, um, Sunning our perineum, which <laughs> is supposed to be like your other third eye, your third eye on your asshole. And for folks who don't know what the perineum is, the part between <laughs> your your genitals and your asshole, your taint. Like your taint. It's your taint. Yeah. So we were sunning our perineum 
which apparently is good to do. Who knows? But it feels good. We're sending our perineum and actually like these, a boat pulled up on us with our ass in the air. We were like downward dog, you know, with our hands on the sand and the ass to the ocean and this boat pulled up on us. We were like, um, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to ask my mom in skincare about sending your perineum. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, if well, your mom feels very strongly about like too much sun at all. Um, I know, <laughs> but you know what? It feels really, it feels really good. And I love I any opportunity to like slow down and eroticize yourself or eroticize mm-hmm. a partner too. Like things like just being really luxurious and slow about taking a bath or putting on lotion or oil after you get out of the bath or, you know, they did an interview with um, Barbara Corellis who wrote, urban tantra yeah she's been on the show she's great and we love her and um you know she talks about how you can do your dishes tantrically it literally is just doing anything with full and complete consciousness Mm -hmm. and a state of awareness and slowing down in that moment you can make anything erotic you know, you can fucking take a scoop of peanut butter on a spoon. Well, that's just hot. That's just objectively hot. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you have a peanut allergy. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure that like, you probably remind clients of that too, is that once you've been around long enough in this space, like every sort of person who thinks that they have some kink or fetish that's like no one else in the world has it a hundred percent guarantee you we'll bet you money someone else has other it. people other people are having that same fetish for pie in the face or you know littering is one i don't approve of littering i think it's really unsexy but like some people think it's sexy to litter <laughs> interesting i think it's sexy to pick up trash <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's more sexy to me um i've been asking folks this season on the podcast their best or the most recent like great sex that they had or just pleasurable experience so with this like broad definition of sex and pleasure which could be peanut butter or dishes what's the most like pleasurable quote-unquote sex you've had lately I mean, I think that's hard to answer because when, you know, what's funny when you first asked me that, when you, the first thing that came to my mind was like sex with people or situations, which were so bad for me, actually, because sometimes that can be really hot, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. There, sometimes that can be really hot. And I was thinking of one situation in particular with this like famous novelist who's, this was a long time ago. It was also like a total alcoholic. And, um, and it was like in a parked car on my street. And giving me oral sex with like my feet against the window and literally one of the worst people for me, a hundred percent, but it was so erotic. Like mm. some of the, I've there's, so you can, I, I feel like I've had experiences where I've been like really connected and in love with someone mm-hmm. and the sex has been like really incredible. Yeah. And then I've had experiences with someone who, where there was almost like a little bit of degradation in it because uh, like, not necessarily even they were degrading me, but maybe I was like, well, I heard that you knew I, it wasn't like a good re- fit for you. Energy. Yeah. I don't or like or someone that I really don't respect mm. at all. And that was really but hot too. That was really hot too. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, all of this to say that I think that there's space for like the rainbows and butterfly unicorn, like outdoor, like in love, um, perineum you know, sunning, all, sensual, yeah, perineum sunning, sexual experience. And there's also room for the like 
super hot, quick fuck. Um, I really don't like to like ever say that like one thing is more correct. Mm. Although yeah. I lean more, I would say at this stage in my life to the connected, the connected being in touch, emotional, emotionally intimate. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, those quick in the car ones, I suppose could also be, do you think they're conscious or not conscious? Cause I guess they could be conscious if you're like, I'm aware of this. I know the risks. I know the informed consent. Like I'm still present with it. Maybe not something that's in full alignment, but like, it's a choice. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't personally, for me personally, I don't believe in regrets as like a life philosophy, but I'm mm. also someone really the things in life that have been quite traumatic for me. I've looked at as an opportunity for spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I actually would not take back any of the things that have been uh, painful, but, mm. um, when I look back on some of the like really erotic sexual experiences I have, I can clear, I can see now with hindsight that I was in a lot of pain, that mm. I definitely was like using sex as a way of escapism. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us do, mo- many of us do. And I think, I think actually probably culturally we're more wired to use sex as escapism than we are for transcendence. So, you know, now, now I think even as I'm thinking about how I learned about my sexuality at an early age, it was also probably for that sex for escapism, sex for filling a void. That's what I saw mirror, like so it was mirrored around me. Um, so yeah, I, I don't even think I have reached the full my full pleasure potential yet. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, I think I again I want to normalize it for folks too because I don't think like objectively like escapist sex has to be bad because like you said it is play right and sometimes we do need to escape sometimes we do need to play sometimes we don't want to be super conscious so i think it's this this spectrum right of like how does it then feel afterwards like does it feel enough in alignment um yeah i think there's also times in life like when i look back on times in in my life i think that time i was talking about with the car yeah um you know my dad was dying and i Mm. had a lot of sex that was not necessarily you know for my highest good or whatever but (laughs) i really needed that i needed that i needed that comfort at that time and i i don't i just don't think we can like beat ourselves up you know sometimes because we're all like human, none of us is like going to do this perfectly because it's sex. It's awkward. It's messy. It's human. Yeah. And, and I love that you were saying, like, you feel like the best years are ahead of you and sort of just normalizing this, um, forever pleasure potential in your last chapter in the book, you talk about like transcendent sex, or I guess this going beyond, um, what can this like actually look like in like a tangible way from some either anecdotal or ancient like Taoist or tantric beliefs that you talk about in the book? Like um, for folks who are like, well, what is transcendence or what is like even better, um, more pleasurable sex? Like what can that actually look and sound like? Well, we know that the word, well, the or- word orgasm in French is petite mort, which is little death. So it actually, when we're having an orgasm, we're experiencing a momentary loss of consciousness, Mm -hmm. um, or like a little death. Yeah. Um, 
which is a transcendence of sorts. So I think on a very, I, I think a lot of people think, oh my God, it's so big. I don't even know how to handle it. But we yeah. can break it down to something really simple, literally just be, by becoming aware of something like your breath, mm-hmm. um, like something that you might silo from your sexual practice. Like if you have a meditation practice or you do yoga, you know, or you do any sort of physical activity where you're hyper aware of like what your body's doing and feeling, or even breathing into your genitals, right? I've, I've done a couple of podcasts with the sex ed around orgasm breathing, even bringing in something like that into your masturbation practice can be a way to experience transcendence. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it, ha- I don't think it's like, I think sometimes we expect like, it's going to be some uh, like taking a, like taking a mind altering drug or something. And like, we're going to have all the answers and boom, it's all going to change. But it's, it's more of like a step by step, like sometimes slog or whatever, you know, it's like <laughs> building, building, building blocks on it. Cause like the first time, for example, that I learned to orgasm breathe, I was like very frustrated that I didn't mm-hmm. get it in 15 mm-hmm. minutes mm-hmm. that I wasn't like just you know, cause the person who taught me to do it was able to like, they were having orgasms on their like yoga mat during like a regular yoga class. And I was like yeah. jealous and irritated. Yeah. yeah. Like frustrated with myself. Like what's wrong with me? Am I like not spiritual? Like mm-hmm. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it really is sometimes about like just slowing down mm-hmm. and like becoming more in tune on a very simple level. And, um, you know, in that last chapter of the book, which I think is called the next frontier, I talk about all the things that I think are are next. And I think like things like fluidity and intimacy and vulnerability are all really important for us to experience mm-hmm. transcendent sex too. Yeah. And I don't know, this was just coming to my mind, but I, I talk a lot about on the podcast when we're talking about like trauma and nervous system things about, um, how do I say like capitalistic trauma, so to speak. Uh, and the, the idea of like, that we always need more and more and more and this like constant seeking. And so I'm not sure the answer to this, but just kind of posing this philosophical thing of like, I'm obviously in this field and like a seeker of pleasure. And so there's a part of me that's like, Oh, I want to find the next transcendent sexual thing. Is there even better sex? Is there more pleasure? And then another part of me that I want to be like, what is good enough sex? I forgot the researcher who coined that term, but there's this idea of like good enough sex, right? Where it's like, when can we stop and say it's good enough? So we're not just seeking and thinking there's something better. Um, I don't know if this is even a question, but you know what I'm kind of saying? Like, how do we wonder how to even find this balance between exploring transcendence and like wanting and feeling deserving of more pleasure while also like being like, oh, this is good enough. Uh, Yeah. But you could turn that around as a practice with, with anything because yeah, that is sort of Oh yeah. With anything, my job, my life, my relationship, your coffee. Yeah. In the morning, Mm -hmm. um, the way the sky looks like being like, Oh, I can't stand the rain. I wish there was sun, you know, instead of like really tripping out on like making that the meditation, making that the, like, can I, can I like find the transcendence in the sky, even though it's like dark and cold and rainy, you know, mm-hmm. I think that becomes kind of the practice because we are wired towards this like constant, like dopamine hit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I got it. 
it's, it's hard to, it's hard to step back on that, step back from that. Totally. Well, I want folks to be able to, to join you in this. And again, we can't assume what people will take from, from reading this and things, but what do you, what are some things that you hope people will glean from your book? That it's never too late to have a better sexual relationship with yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, that there's no, you know, this is like a guidebook that I wrote that I guess I, you know, again, don't believe in regrets, but maybe wish I had earlier in life and, um, that it's really written. I wrote it in a way that's meant to be very accessible and there's a lot of homework. There's like homework or like integrated, um, practices at the end of each chapter that can kind of help you ground what I'm talking about into like your day-to-day routine Mm or, um, so I really wasn't trying to make something that's like super heady. Mm-hmm. Like you can read it in that way, but you can also, you know, read it. And there's probably a lot of things I write about that you'll be like, oh, that's really simple. Like I kind of already know that. Mm. Maybe. I don't know if you felt that way when you're. Yeah. When is, you're... There a, is there a little practice you can tease our listeners with that uh, they can take with them today? Well, I'm sure most of your listeners have a masturbation practice, but that's like a real basic one that I feel like everyone needs to have a masturbation practice. It doesn't matter if you're in a relationship or not. It's, I think it's really healthy to masturbate, especially before like a date or a big meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it takes edge off. The other thing exercise I thought was really fun to do was in a chapter called what is normal is really writing down your earliest memories of like what you thought was normal for your body type for your genitals, for your breasts, Mm. if you have them Mm -hmm. for your sexual desires. And then looking at that list and thinking, where did you get that from? Like, where did you get those ideas from? Are they actually like, what is the, where is this invisible barometer of normal? Yeah, That one I think is really like an interesting exercise for people to do. Yeah, And then there's like steps in that practice. And then eventually ask you to burn, burn it. But I think it's really, it's really interesting to think it, it helps us unpack. It helps us take agency over unpacking our shame sometimes mm. without the help of like, cause not everyone can access therapy. Mm. You know, I think self-help books are great. Yeah. And, and therapy, tra- at least traditional isn't for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I mean, I'm really big fan of somatic therapy. I feel like Same. it's been a, um, breakthrough for me, but like, listen, I know a lot of guys that like are very privileged and they spend way too much time at the shrink. Generally it's like Freudian analysis, um, uh. <laughs> fucking navel gazing. And I'm like, Oh my God, like get over your mother issues already. This is just, like, you're stuck in a rut, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I feel like, um, now lately we've had this question, like now in dating apps, it's like, I won't date someone who doesn't go to therapy, but now it's like, not all therapy is created equal. So like what kind of therapy, right? I have recommended somatic therapy to so many, so yeah. many men. And then I had a partner who would go to therapy twice a week. I swear to God, he went to therapy twice a week and I went with him once and I was like, I don't understand what you're doing. You're wasting your, he wouldn't even talk to her. He wouldn't even be honest with her. I, I don't really quite understand. It was just like, he was checking something off the box. Like I go to therapy, but mm. you know, like anything else, you actually have to be willing to do the work. Yeah. You know, oh, and you can't act to any, and I remember your therapist is just a human too. Like, mm-hmm. again, like they can help you figure out. Yeah. We don't answers. have all the answers. 
Yeah, no, but like you, you really, the, the work I feel is tuning more, like tuning other things out and tuning more into your inner light, inner wisdom, inner guidance. Okay, slutty scholars, I wanted to invite you to an event I am hosting coming up this summer on August 19th at a private ranch in Malibu. It is called Play Date and it is a guided play shop to explore how pleasure and curiosity can enhance your healing. If you prioritize pleasure, you can heal your life. Check out pleasureismedicine.eventbrite.com for tickets. Early bird sales are on until June 22nd, and I think there's literally only one left, so get it soon. Um, You all know that I am a huge advocate for pleasure as a human right, and I deeply believe that play and pleasure are medicine. So I co-created an event with past guest, somatic pleasure coach, and best-selling author Irene Morning. This event was designed to help folks find and create more play and pleasure in their lives. So if you have been feeling burnt out, overwhelmed, undeserving, irritable, like you're really in your head, isolated, and like you don't know what you want or like, or potentially pressure around intimacy, then you really need to come for a play date. Come discover more clarity about your likes and desires, break down the barriers that stand in the way of experiencing your full pleasure potential, and leave with a new zest for life and some tools to help you stay playful. This day-long play shop will include educational mini workshops, guided experiential activities, recess-style play stations, movement, bonding, and community building. What if instead of being the rewards you earn at the end of the journey, play and pleasure are actually the path to getting there? Head to pleasureismedicine.eventbrite.com for tickets. That's pleasureismedicine.eventbrite.com and the link is in the episode's description. I hope to see you there. Well, I want people to be able to follow what you're doing with the sex ed and check out the book. And I think hopefully it will be supportive and validating and transformative for for you listeners. Um, How could people follow what you're doing, get in touch, check out the book? Yeah, well, the book you can get wherever books are sold. Um, but if you go to the sexed.com forward slash book, there's all the links to, you know, the, the book and the audio book. I read, I actually voiced the, my, my audio book, which was very exciting. Um, and you can find us, all, our podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, the sex ed and on Instagram at the sex ed and me at Goldilocks G. Oh, and you have so many amazing guests from Nick Kroll to David Lynch to Asa Akira. Like, it's amazing. Aw, thank you. I'm um, so happy to be back on the podcast five years later. Me too. I'm happy to have you back. So yeah, listeners, if you haven't listened to episode 68, go back to learn a little bit about some breath uh, orgasmic uh, meditation stuff and then listen to this one. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at sluts and scholars on Twitter at slut scholars. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at sluts and scholars.com. Please don't forget to rate and review and check out those advertiser discounts. Liz, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. 
None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. 